welcome to More Than Abstract. I'm Prangel, and I'm joined by Eric. So, Eric, yes. if you could go anywhere, in the, just anywhere, as a tourist, with no limitations, where would you go? Probably Greece. Greece? It's a good good place. Go, go back to your heritage. It's a good answer. I think I've told you my answer before. The only place that I'm ever interested in visiting as a tourist is low Earth orbit. Not as an astronaut. They have to actually do work. I want to enjoy my time in low Earth orbit. Man, my answer feels like so small compared to that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, you know, it's got a lot of history in Greece. Like, I'd love to go there myself. So, obviously, this isn't really possible right now. Well, it's possible to go to Greece. It's not possible to go into low Earth orbit as a tourist. Right. But I, at one point, asked myself, what would happen to my body if I were to stay in zero G for some time? And so I will tell you the story of what we know will happen to humans in space. All right. We start our story on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) You're in a rocket to be shot into space. uh, And the first physiological problems start at takeoff. So during takeoff, people face huge G-forces just um, that can very easily make someone faint, essentially. So fainting happens primarily because our brains hog up a lot of blood and oxygen, and at some point they just don't get enough, so you faint. And when you do that, you end up falling on the ground, becoming prone, and that's usually enough to get enough blood to your brain. And you'll be all right uh, after a bit. I sense a problem here when you're not able to fall to the ground. That's exactly it. It doesn't happen in high G maneuvers, in, in like things like fighter planes, for example. All the blood ends up pooling somewhere like your legs, which sure shouldn't be. Does that mean if you were going to low Earth orbit, you should wear compression stockings? Yes, actually. That's one of the things that they wear. So there are ways that people can get around this. Well... There are ways that people can lower their susceptibility to G-forces, one of them being these compression suits, or G-suits, I believe they're called. There's also G-training, which I guess um, tells people what to do when they uh, feel like they're going to faint. That's interesting. Like, I wonder how you could physiologically train yourself to, to withstand more G-force. Yeah, it's it's not so much like, um, you know, people who would give themselves a little bit of poison every time so that they're immune to poison. It, it's not the same thing. Right. You can't exactly extend your uh, max tolerance for G-forces very much through this training stuff, but you can uh, not faint for a uh, long enough time to be able to, you know, or sorry, you can be under these stresses for long enough that you don't faint in for a certain period of time. You can do some Im- critical task or whatever. So you learn how to keep conscious long enough to complete your task. Yeah, that's okay. pretty much it. I imagine uh, I'm not a fighter pilot, but I imagine that they don't need to be in high G maneuvers most of the time. If they did, that's probably bad for them. I can imagine. Almost passing out sucks. Doing it continuously would suck a lot more. Those essentially try to keep blood from pooling as quickly. But but let's say you make it uh, up there safe and sound. You're in zero G now. One whole G away from what your body's (laughs) used to. The, The first thing that would happen to about half of all the people who make the transition is they get space sickness. Uh, I've heard of altitude sickness. Um, what's space sickness? So th- this is this is, isn't some sort of virus that's only in space or uh, pathogens that are only uh, come out in space. It's kind of like motion sickness and people would probably just throw up um, 
if they view it or get a headache. That's so much like more anticlimactic than I thought yeah. it was going to be. But yeah. okay. <laughs> it's just like motion sickness, but you're not moving like in a car. Yeah, it's just motion sickness mostly. It's it's kind of funny though. Someone could go up into space be like, "Finally, I've achieved my dreams of going to split." <laughs> <laughs> What's even funnier is there was a senator that went up to space, uh, went in the space shuttle uh, to be a guinea fit pig for the effects of spaceflight on humans. Okay. The guy was named Jake Garn, a senator from Utah uh, from about from seventy four to ninety three. Apparently, he was a pilot in the navy in his youth and somehow made it onto the the space or onto the astronauts list. Nice. The other astronauts were a little bit annoyed that a senator got on the list. And was able to get on the shuttle. I can imagine, but you know, yeah, good for him. But but don't be too happy for him. He had the worst space sickness ever recorded. Hmm. Like it was really bad. You know how when there are some new rare illnesses that pop up and they give it this uh, the name after the guy who's the first recorded incidents? Yeah. Well, they they gave this guy a unit of measurement of oh. just how bad your space sickness can be. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> It's so bad. So let me just read you a quote from Robert Stevenson, someone who was in NASA during this time. Please do. Quote, Jake Garn, he has made a mark in the astronaut corps because he represents the maximum level of space sickness that anyone can ever attain. And so the mark of being totally sick and totally incompetent is one Garn. Most guys will get about... Uh, get maybe a tenth Garn, if that high. And within the astronaut corps, he will forever be remembered by that. The young kids don't even know the origin of a Garn. End quote. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Imagine if, like, Rontgen got the name because he was just like, man, I got too much radiation in there. This guy's radioactive. We can't be around him. I threw up from radiation. Now they're going to name it after me. (laughs) but eventually they get used to it and stop throwing up so like you know they're just like space not radiation yeah yeah from from space not not (laughs) so if you get past the space sickness there's physical effects uh you feel when when you're on earth your veins and heart need to move blood around you but obviously it wouldn't be as hard in space Mm mm-hmm so a lot more blood ends up in your upper body than it should be, giving almost a bloated torso and face and chicken legs, essentially. That's weird, but that makes sense. So do it they may, have? Yeah. Do they wear arm compressions? I don't believe so, but the, like astronauts in the ISS, for example, um, mm-hmm. they they do wear clothes, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I I hope they wear clothes. But after a bit, that subsides. Uh, as well it won't get back to normal they'll still be a bit more bloated in their upper body and more chicken legs but it gets more normal okay the only problem is once they get back to her uh, back to earth your heart won't be as strong as it used to be so these astronauts oftentimes faint uh, once they return to normal gravity till their body can get used to gravity again do they call that earth sickness they call that earth sickness yeah it's true hey um <laughs> they don't oh <laughs> We do now. Another problem uh, with more fluid in your upper body is that it can actually cause uh, some pressure on your optic nerve. Oh. That's pretty bad. And it'll be pretty bad if you're in uh, space for a long time. Without an eye doctor, yes. That's one of the problems with uh, 
that we haven't figured out about long-term space travel. So like transits from here to Mars, you know, it's possible that uh, things could go bad with people's eyes if they're up there for that long. That is not good. That is the opposite of good. Yeah. But a lot of these effects, um, except for the uh, eye one, is a lot of your body just needs to get used to it and then it'll be fine. But hey, one neat thing, if you spend enough time in orbit, you'll be one inch taller once you're back. About a really? Year yeah. Uh, but the bad news is your skeleton will atrophy along with your muscles. So oh. your health will be much worse off in the end. Not worth it. Yeah, not worth it. There was actually this study where um, a twin was sent into space and then came back down and they saw the difference between the, the two. The guy who went into space, I believe it's Scott Kelly, he was an inch taller than his twin. I remember hearing about that story. I don't remember anything else that they found. Yeah. You know, NASA's figuring stuff out how the space affects us. Turns out, bad. Have they found anything good about how space affects us? Well, there's that one inch. You get a bit taller. (laughs) Fair. Fair enough. Another thing, you'll probably get terrible sleep since your circadian rhythm will be off since sunrise happens about every 40 minutes or so if you're in low Earth orbit. You also don't have a nice bed to lay on. You need to be strapped down in like this uh, sleeping bag thing that's just on the side of some wall. It's pretty loud in there. A lot of light. So you might get a bit grouchy. I believe it, but they can't turn lights off in the birthing area? I don't know. I, I think... I, I'm not sure why they don't turn the lights off. They probably have a good reason for it. They're NASA. Of course they have a good reason for it. But, like, <laughs> I'm surprised that they don't have a room where they can't. Maybe add another compartment to the ISS. The sleeping place. They're NASA, so if they say yeah. it's okay, I guess it's okay. I, yeah. So microgravity, microgravity uh, is great and all, but you're not really out in space. You're kind of just stuck in a pressurized tube. It's, it's not very fun. When I say I want to go out into space, I, I don't say I, do, I want to be in zero G. I say I want to go out into space as much you as want, I can. You want to do a spacewalk? That's, exact, that's it. Ah. So what happens when you go, uh, go out first spacewalk? Well, it's, it's not that easy. You can't just go into a suit and just walk out there. First, you need to actually spend a night in your spacesuit in one of these lockers that has low pre- lower pressure in it to acclimate yourself. So you just sleep in your spacesuit. I bet it's dark there. It's, it might be dark there. <laughs> we found it. You need to acclimate to the difference in pressure because spacesuits uh, work at one-third atmosphere. The, I, I believe this is because... Uh, spacesuits have 100% oxygen in it, and uh, if you oh. uh, you only need about a third of an atmosphere of just oxygen to be perfectly fine. Right. So uh, you need to be in that locker in your spacesuit, just just like uh, the reason why divers can't change pressure too quickly, or else you'll get decompression sickness, also known as the bends. Is it called space bends? Uh, the space decompression sickness. Yeah, space bends. <laughs> All right. There are a few reasons for this. One being that, you know, obviously the suit's pressurized. And the other thing is that it's harder to do tasks when you have a more pressurized suit. So you know how they have to hold something with their hands. If your suit is more pressurized, it's even harder to hold anything and do tasks. That would make much more sense to me if I could experience it. Can you try to explain that just a little bit more about why it's more difficult? Okay. Um, Say you had like one of those rubber gloves and then filled it up with air all there and then like mm-hmm. it'd be a bit harder to do things in principle right I, okay 
Yeah, I see where you're going with that. And also, spacesuit, it's it's kind of thick. It's got to protect you from debris, radiation, or some radiation, both of, the, both of which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it needs to be thick enough that it can do that. And and any of those tiny little space debris, ow, yeah. that would be yeah. terrible. Yeah. I didn't think about that until now. Are there any reports of astronauts getting hit by space debris? Oh, they must have. They must have been hit. Um, but it's probably a small enough piece that it didn't really cause terrible amounts of damage. I talked about radiation. While most of it is blocked by seven millime- uh, by several millimeters of aluminum, like we talked about in our Van Allen episode, Van Allen episode, there's still low-level background radiation that comes from either our sun, other stars within our galaxy, or outside of our galaxy that do a lot of damage to you over time if you're mm-hmm. in space for long enough. By this, I mean there are high-energy particles, or not particles, but photons that come from the sun or any star and they can hit us and it's just a very low level background so if you're in space for a long time like say a transit from earth to mars Mm -hmm. um one of the this is one of the things that they have to solve that they have to get rid of this low level background radiation somehow so that's what happens to you if you go into a pressurized controlled environment with microgravity but i'm not happy with that I want to know what happens to you if you step out that airlock and expose your or myself to, um, well, I can't say the elements because uh, I guess I expose myself to the lack of elements. The cold, hard vacuum of space. That's right, yeah. Uh, so I've heard that people, when they just walk out of an airlock, they might pop like a balloon. But no, that just doesn't really make much sense. They did this in the magic school bus, and the kid lived, so I think they were lying. <laughs> it's true. Mag- magic school bus, funded by NASA. <laughs> so y- your skin is very capable of keeping you in one piece. Um, you might be a little bloated at the top, a le- little less in the legs, uh, yes. but together, for sure. First of all, you would die from the hypoxia, the lack of oxygen, within several seconds. But why is that? Whoa, I never whoa. really understood that. Um, yeah, me either. I was about to ask. You know what? Great minds think alike. I never really understood this, just because if I were to go into a, a pool and hold my breath, well, I wouldn't have any. I wouldn't be breathing or anything, but I could live long enough that I could, you know, do something. There's still oxygen in your blood. Yeah. Does it just jump from your blood to the vacuum? Like, no? That doesn't make sense to me. So that's actually what happens. <laughs> really? Yeah. So um, That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Since it's space, you can't really hold your breath. Any uh, oxygen or air that you have in your your lungs, they would be they would just bust out of you once you get into space. That is ridiculous. Yeah. How you normally get oxygen to your brain is well, there's some in your lungs. You usually have a lung full of something or other. Yes. Your blood just comes around, grabs a bit of oxygen. Well, it's just close to the lungs and just grabs a bit of it, it puts it on the hemoglobin, it just rushes off to the brain. But once you're, once you're in a vacuum, your lungs have nothing in them. They have only a vacuum. Blood doesn't know that. They'll come along, the, the part of the lung where they, they go to, and they'll lose their oxygen from their hemoglobin. So all of a sudden you have this deoxygenated blood that goes past your lungs. Oh, that's... Oh. oh. So it doesn't take very long for deoxygenated blood to get to your brain. At which point you faint from hypoxia. It takes about several seconds or so. But fear not, if you ever get oxygen within about 90 seconds or so, 
you'll probably recover without too much damage to you. It's actually kind of surprising. So some tests have been done on animals and within they, if they get oxygen within 30 seconds, they're perfectly perfectly fine. Do they throw rats into the airlock? <laughs> they, they just got a vacuum chamber, threw a okay. rat in there, and it was just like, let's take its mask off. Yeah. So that's oxygen. But you've probably heard people say that your blood would boil from you being in space, right? No. Oh, well, it's probably true. Oh, from what I understood, because of how close we are to the sun, you would burn from the sun on one side and freeze on the other? Not exactly. We're not that close that we could turn into a mercury. But it's mostly, it mostly boils, or supposedly boils, because of the vacuum that you're in. Mm. So, the boiling point of water is different with different pressures. So, you know how it's 100 degrees Celsius on, uh, on oh, wait, um, so that's Celsius. 212 degrees Fahrenheit at one atmosphere on sea level. At sea level, and it's different if you go up in altitude, right? Yeah. Yeah, higher altitude, then lower and lower the boiling point gets until it gets pa it's, it gets below your body temperature. And since your skin is porous, the vacuum will reach below your skin, and any water that the vacuum encounters will boil. That is horrifying. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. Apparently, the, there was someone who was in the situation where he was in a vacuum chamber on Earth uh, back in like the 60s or 70s or something. So he was released to the vacuum by mistake in a vacuum chamber. And he said that he could feel his saliva boil in his mouth. It's, it's pretty scary. <laughs> Keep Wait, those suits up. He lived? He lived. Yeah, he, um, so what happened, he, vacuum chamber on Earth while people were, were testing what happens to people in a vacuum. He had his suit on, it uh, ruptured or something, and he was exposed to the vacuum. Someone ran in, gave him a mask, and it was just like, what the hell happened to you? That is wild. <laughs> pretty crazy so the the final thing i'll mention is uh you might have seen in movies and tv shows where people freeze as they go out into space yes that probably won't happen mostly because the way that heat transfers is through atoms of stuff hitting other atoms of stuff and since you're in a vacuum not really much way for heat to transfer so at least that's good you, you won't freeze to death too quickly you'll just uh, suffocate and uh Boil. <laughs> mm, lovely. That's so much better. So yeah, that's what I, I found out would happen to you if you were to ever go to space. I still want to go to low Earth orbit, even though all this is there. It, it sounds like you know what you're talking about, so I think you'll be just fine. So that's all I have for you, Eric. Uh, what do you think? Space is horrifying now. It's scary. It's always scary. I definitely learned that space can suck the oxygen out of me. Oh, yeah. And boil me from the inside out. So mm -hmm. it's a very wholesome note to end on. Yeah, stay in those tin cans, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like this episode, please consider subscribing and leave a review. Tell us what you think about it and tell a, and, and tell a friend about it. Uh, we also have some supplementary material. So you can follow us on Twitter at moreabstract and you know, leave, a leave a comment. Tell me what you think about the episode. And you can find more episodes wherever you get podcasts. Bye.